You're about to hear the Children's Hour podcast. Thanks for being a listener. You can find a lot more information about this episode at childrenshour.org. Enjoy the show. What did the soil say to the rain? I don't know what. So nice of you to drop in. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for Children's Hour. When I woke up on Saturday morning, I didn't want to open my eyes. I didn't want to leave my pillow. I didn't need to see a sunny sky. But I woke up on Saturday morning and dragged a comb across my back. And when I looked up at the ceiling, I saw my life go by in every crack. So I
ilusiones a un lado y te encontrarás. Amazing World is Tito Puente. You're listening to the Children's Hour and I'm Katie Stone and today is a very special day. We are talking about drought and drying out and that does rhyme. But first I have a whole bunch of kids here on Zoom. Hello everyone on Zoom. Hi. 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 It's so great you're all here. Who's with us today? Hi, it's Illuminata. Hi, it's Cade. Hello, friends. It's Melissa. Hi, it's Daniel. Happy day. It's Maya. Hello, it's Lily. Hi, it's Elaine. Hello, it's Evan. You all, today on the show, we're going to be talking about drought. And we live in the southwestern United States, which is a place that is considered to be in critical extreme drought. Have you noticed that there is a drought in New Mexico, kids on the crew? Yes. Yes. Definitely, for sure. Maya Falcone, what's your hint that there's a drought in New Mexico? Well, obviously, we don't get a ton of rain. And sometimes it's hard to grow things. And that is obviously signs of a drought. And then also, there are some places in New Mexico that are actually um, having problems with running out of water. Like running out of drinking water? Yeah. Wow. We need to learn more about that. Anybody else? How can you tell that we're in a drought? Yeah, Soleil. Well, the flowers we planted in our backyard weren't growing. Yeah. Yeah, Lily Liebarger. Well, it's kind of obvious with the environment we're in that you, and you hear a lot about it, there being a drought. But also, I tend to hear it on the news about the fact that um, parts of New Mexico are in severe drought. Yeah. And in fact, the drought here and in the southwestern United States in general is causing crazy forest fires and so much more. We're going to learn a lot more about drought. What makes a drought? How do we know we're in a drought? How do we get out of a drought? We're going to be talking with Laura Paskis, and she's a longtime environmental reporter here in the state of New Mexico. And we're going to visit with the National Weather Service in Albuquerque about drought extreme heat, and what's going on with the weather. We're also going to hear from our friends in the Extinction Diaries about how women African rangers are saving animals from extinction. But first, Brave Combo with Kathy Fink and Marcy Markser right here on the Children's Hour. Song. 
It means water. That's Brave Combo. And Kathy Fink and Marcy Marks are from a CD called All Wound Up. You're listening to the Children's Hour. Our guest today on the show is Laura Paskus. She is a journalist who specializes in studying the environment. And here in the desert Southwest, she has been writing about climate change. She has a book that's called At the Precipice, New Mexico's Changing Climate that was just published in September 2020. And she's also on our New Mexico PBS channel. She produces a show called Our Land, New Mexico's Environmental Past, Present, and Future. That's a mouthful of an introduction. Welcome to the Children's Hour, Laura Paskus. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, everyone, for having me. I'm really excited to hear your questions, and I hope that I can answer them because I know kids always have the toughest, best questions. Especially our crew. Um, Let's go over to Soleil. How do you start a drought? Drought kind of measures how much precipitation we're getting. Um, whether that's snowpack, snow in the winter, or monsoons, or spring rains. And so we, so meteorologists track how much precipitation we're getting with how much we need and how much we historically have had. And so right now, all of New Mexico is in drought conditions. And a really big chunk of the state is in what's called exceptional drought and extreme drought. So we're like, we're deep in it right now. So it really starts with measuring the amount of rainfall or snow or sleet or hail. That's how it begins. That's how we know. Yeah. And we also look at things like how moist our soil is, because if you have um, if you have dry year after dry year, your soil just gets drier and drier and drier. Some of it blows away. Right. So we also pay attention to things like um, soil moisture, vegetation and crop moisture transpiration, kind of like a whole bunch of different things. But really drought. It has to do with precipitation and moisture versus like when we talk about climate change, a lot of the time we're talking about temperatures. What is a drought and what does it do? 
Drought is when we're not getting the precipitation that we need for our forests, our rivers, our reservoirs, our crops, our orchards. A drought makes it hard for our forests, for our rivers, for our farmers. Um, it makes it harder for our cities to supply us with drinking water. So it's a big deal that affects everybody in New Mexico. And it's not just in New Mexico that there's a drought. There's drought happening in other parts of the country and other parts of the world, too. We're hearing about forest fires and dry, dry conditions up in the northwestern United States and in places like Oregon and Washington, which we think of as temperate rainforests. And yet, are those in drought, too? And, and how can that be? Yeah, we've been seeing a drought kind of moving all around the southwestern United States for basically about 20 years. It's kind of shifting all that we can see it kind of shifting all over the place. But but it can happen anywhere. I remember a few years ago, Georgia was in a very bad drought. The northwestern United States is struggling with that. I grew up in Connecticut, and that's where my mom still lives. And even she has to deal with drought sometimes. So it can happen any place. For New Mexico and the southwestern United States, one of the big things that we see is we're already an arid state. We're already a pretty dry state, right? We don't get that much rain. And so as our temperature increases because of climate change, that warming makes us even drier. Well, that's why, you know, when we started the show, we asked the kids, how do you know we're in a drought? And one of the reasons I asked that is because these are all desert kids who grew up in the desert. And so for us, it's just dry here. And we're used to it being dry here. But then there's something extremely different about drought versus desert. And I know one of the things I'm seeing, Laura, are a lot of dead trees in the mountains. And it used to be that you could go to the mountains and it was always really, really cool because it was high in elevation and there were so many trees making lots of shade. And now there's so much less shade. It's shocking. And there's so many dead trees. There's parts of our mountain that you can't even walk through anymore because there's so many dead trees. And that's part of drought too? Yeah, that's such a great observation, Katie. There's kind of like three different things that are going on with drought and forests. One is it's some in some places it's just too dry. And so that dryness and that drought kills the trees on their own. Another thing that happens is drought stresses out the trees. And so when things like bark beetles attack the trees, the trees don't have their, they're like too sucked dry to be able to defend themselves with their sap and push these beetles out. So drought makes trees more susceptible to getting killed by bark beetles and things like pests like that. And then the third thing that we see happening because of drought is in some places, trees that we've grown up with that have, you know, lived in our mountains, grown in our mountains for millennia, it's now too warm and too dry for those species to survive in some places. Mm. We're talking with Laura Paskus. She is an environmental journalist based in the state of New Mexico. She's also 
a producer at our New Mexico PBS. She has a show called Our Land, New Mexico's Environmental Past, Present, and Future, and she's an author as well. We're going to come back and talk more drought and what we can do about it here on the Children's Hour. The wind here blows like you've never known. You can roast a roast out your bedroom window. Here on the sun, it's so hot and bright. I flip my pillow, it's even warmer on the other side. Let me tell you about the hot nights, hot nights. It's really very hot, it's just not right. I'm trying to explain it. Let me tell you, these hot nights, hot nights. I'm not talking about nightlife like birth in the 70s No, I can't relax when it sounds like sizzling bacon outside With a mouth too dry to even swallow my pride Don't need my sheet, you don't want to know my temperature either Feels like I'm in an eternal night fever Hot nights, hot nights Like lying on the bowl of a spotlight Is the world I'm living in I'll tell you these hot nights, hot nights It's not the kind of night it might sound like Where I'm saying it's a good thing The Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit dedicated to producing high quality kids' public radio. Learn more at childrenshour.org. Support provided by the Anderson Abruzzo Albuquerque International Balloon Museum. Next time you're in Albuquerque, you can visit Elevation Station, a new hands-on interactive exhibit at the Balloon Museum, where you can drive a Chase Crew vehicle, design your own balloon pilot card, climb inside a gondola, and much more. Tickets at cabq.gov balloon. Support provided by Electric Playhouse, an immersive entertainment and educational experience in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The Playhouse is open. Purchase tickets and learn about camps, play, and other educational opportunities, including future locations and events at electricplayhouse.com. I wish I had a giant swimming pool where I could play I wish I took hours of showers every single day I wish I owned a million orchards making food to eat I wish that every single meal my plate was full of meat I wish that I could leave the faucet going in the sink But now the drought is here and it's time to rethink That's water waste, there's a drought, time to rethink We're in such a drought that we're starting to sink But it's El Nino time It's here to save the day This weather pattern brings lots of rain To help stop this drought Yeah, it's El Nino time 
but it won't save the day Cause due to climate change, it's not enough to escape this drought El Nino came from Asia to the equator and here to Cali It brought warm water and tons of rain throughout the Central Valley We're trying to get out of it but the drought is so severe In order to make it for the past few years we need a lot more rain sadly And in the future the droughts will be worse too Boo hoo you two are contributing to the drought you've got no clue So please don't stop conserving the minute it starts to rain Not to mention the range of climate change which is bad for the water that remains But it's El Nino time It's here to save the day This weather pattern time but it won't save the day cause due to climate change it's not enough to escape this drought start to cut back on things that require lots of water cause the climate's getting worse and the weather's getting hotter foods like meat almonds and rice are also water wasters too so wake up we need to start conserving yeah hotels and restaurants and homes and even our golf courses have been forced to cut back lots on all of their water resources our 25% and surely was no accident cause we need you to save water yeah This Drought was a song done by the Science Rap Academy. Those are 7th and 8th graders at the Nueva School in California with their teacher, Science with Tom. Laura Pascas is with us, a longtime environmental reporter here in the state of New Mexico, and her work has centered around studying drought, climate change, and water resources. And the kids still have a lot more questions for you, Laura. Let's go to Maya Falcon. So you describe drought as being a lack of precipitation. Well, in New Mexico, we just got a huge rainstorm, but we're still in a drought. Why is this? I'm so glad you asked that question, Maya. So we can still get these sort of bursts of rain or um, like a big snowstorm in the winter, but it sometimes it's not enough to keep up with that like sustained average that we need. So even say like in a year where we're in drought and maybe we don't have a good monsoon season, we might still get some big storms. And one of the things that happens with climate change is it pushes us to extremes. As the atmosphere is warmer and can hold more moisture, sometimes we get these like big giant storms, like maybe we're not even accustomed to. So think of drought as like more of an average than a burst. So even though we get a big rain here and there, it, it's too fast, too much and it's too extreme. And storms like what we're having, they are weird. They're like way more harsh than I ever remember in my life. And I, I could be just that I'm like paying, am I paying more attention or is that really happening? And, and not just here in New Mexico, but all over the place. Is that really happening? They're really more violent, more faster winds, more rain at once, all that? 
Yeah, I think scientists sometimes are hesitant to like attribute like one storm to say like that's climate change. But the frequent occurrence of these bigger storms, like bigger hurricanes, crazier tornadoes, um, more extreme rain events in places, like these are tied as a whole to our warming planet. Where in the world are droughts the worst? Gosh, that's a really good question. I guess most people would say wherever they live, the drought is worse because they're having to deal with the consequences of it. But we see droughts in so many places. And my goodness, again, as, as the climate continues to warm, we see this aridification and this warming and this drought happening. Aridification. Wait, I have to stop you. Aridification. Arid? meaning dry, defecation, drying out? Yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of a term that scientists use to talk about how for places like us that are already arid and we add that heat, we add that blast of like blow dryer heat on an already dry place, it just sucks it even more. So we get drier as we get warmer. So this aridification is happening in places like sub-Sahara Africa. Um, so lots of places that are already very dry are getting even drier and it's even harder for them. But we also see drought in places like Siberia where they're having these big fires and the permafrost is melting. So it's like drought is just bad no matter where you are. Mm. Laura Pascas is an environmental reporter based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She's also a reporter here at our New Mexico PBS channel and the producer of Our Land, New Mexico's environmental past, present, and future. We're going to come back and talk with Laura more, but in the meantime, this is Bayou Seco, right here on the Children's Hour. Big Sawato is the father of them all. His arms curve up and he stands so tall. Little birds build their nest in a hole in his wall. So Otto is the father of them all. Cactus, cactus, it's a prickly plant. The flowers are bright and it doesn't like the damp. Around its feet, snakes and lizards dance. Cactus, cactus is a prickly plant. Fat Batalito is a beautiful sight. Straw-hued flowers in the pale moonlight Fish hook spines give a terrible fright But Batalito is a beautiful sight Cactus, cactus is a prickly plant The flowers are bright and it doesn't like the damp Around its feet snakes and lizards dance Cactus, cactus is a prickly plant Ocotillo has long wavy arms, red, red flowers in the springtime warm. Autumn people use the stalks for their mud-covered walls. Ocotillo has long wavy arms. Cactus, cactus, it's a prickly plant. The flowers are bright and it doesn't like the damp. Around its feet snakes and lizards dance. Cactus, cactus is a prickly plant.
no lie. We eat the leaves, no palace when we cut off the spines. Prickly pear has a big surprise. Cactus, cactus, it's a prickly plant. The flowers are bright and it doesn't like the damp. Around its feet, snakes and lizards dance. bright sunlight, but you don't want to touch it, cause it jumps out to bite. Enjoy it from a distance and there won't be a fight. Joy is fuzzy in the bright sunlight. Cactus, cactus, it's a prickly plant. The flowers are bright and it doesn't like the damp. Around its feet, snakes and lizards dance. Cactus, cactus is a prickly Coming out of Silver City, New Mexico, Bayou Seco, from their Use It Again CD. This is the Children's Hour. And Katie Stone with us is Laura Paskis, a longtime journalist here in the state of New Mexico who covers water issues and investigates our current drought. You can see photos of what the drought looks like here at our website, childrenshour.org. Look for this episode, Drying Out. Laura Paskis, what about the future? What can we do right now? We Many of us are living in extreme weather, extreme drought, who are listening, and here on the crew, we all are. What can we do? Can we stop the drought, or do we just have to learn to live with it? So in many ways, we do have to, we do have to be adaptable, right? We Humans are adaptable by our very nature. Um, We need to be adaptable. We need to be planning for the future. We can't just hope that next year will be better, like get through this year and next year will be better. We have to anticipate that next year will be hard too. And so it's much better to plan for that ahead of time than to just pretend like these things aren't happening. So I think um, education is great. Talking about these issues is great. And, And just kind of being really realistic about what's happening. So in other words, maybe this isn't the time to invest in a boat if you live in the middle of New Mexico, because perhaps you're not going to be able to go boating anytime soon. Yeah. And, you know, if you, for example, I have a tree in my front yard that's probably going to die in the next couple of years. And I've been thinking about what kind of tree I should plant to have shade in my front yard because it's good for us to have trees and shade to help cool our houses. And I've had to accept that certain species we just shouldn't plant. Like I should not plant a cottonwood tree in my front yard. I should be thinking about what species are going to be doing better here in the future. But wait, cottonwood trees, we live in a part of the country where cottonwood trees are everywhere. Are you saying that trees that we've become familiar with here, cottonwood trees, natives to this area, we can't count on them being around in the future? Yeah. I mean, our cottonwood forests are imperiled in New Mexico, and that's a really devastating a really devastating thing for us to think about. Mm. Is planting trees in general a way to help with the aridification, as you were talking about earlier, the drying out that we're experiencing? Does planting a tree on top and using what water we have to water it, does that help? So 
I struggled with this. And so I, I asked a bunch of people what they thought about this because it seemed to me like, gosh, it's wasteful to have a tree and water it. And so many different people, including the former head of our um, water utility here in Albuquerque, told me that investing in your trees, the right kinds of trees to grow for your climate is a really good thing because those trees help create shade and, and cool your house, help cool your house in your neighborhood. And if you notice that here in Albuquerque, for example, and in lots of other cities, neighborhoods that are have trees and are shady are much cooler than those neighborhoods that don't have trees. So if you plant the right kind and you take good care of it and water it at the times when you should, it is a good thing for people to plant trees. Is there a pattern of dry times in the Earth's history? Yes. So we can look back in the tree ring record, even before humans were um, keeping track or keeping track in a way that we, we do today, that there were big droughts in the past. In the southwestern United States, there was a big drought in the past. And part of the problem with our droughts now is we're warmer than we used to be. Um, and so that warming makes us even drier. So we have these big mega droughts in the past that caused people to migrate, to leave certain areas that we couldn't live in as a species, but those weren't even as bad as the droughts we have now and are looking at into the future. And Laura, when you're talking about the tree rings, you actually mean like you slice a tree and you count the rings and I think this is what I learned. If the space between the rings is bigger, it was a wet year. And if it's smaller, it was a dry year. Yeah. And they can even tell with some species of trees, you can see um, the difference uh, between the snowpack and the summer uh, precipitation. And they have these really cool like tree ring libraries that cover like slices from all over the place and they put these together to make a climatic record. Could severe drought put controlled campfires in the past? Campfires and drought. Laura Paskus, it seems like a recipe for a forest fire. It really does. And you know, I love to camp. I love me a fire, but I also know that in the summertime in New Mexico, I don't even touch it. Even if there aren't restrictions, which there are right now, it is so easy for people to let their campfires grow out of control or to not put them out properly. And we see that time and again here in New Mexico where people's abandoned campfires cause big forest fires that have these long-term impacts on our mountains and our watersheds and our communities. So please just don't have a campfire when it's dry and hot. This is not good news, Laura Paskus, but I suppose one thing that is hopeful that comes out of this is the fact that if we start really addressing climate change, there is a chance we can actually 
turn around some of these problems. Is that true? If we really reined in the burning of fossil fuels and the things that are warming our environment, could we slow this down? Could we turn it around? Yes. So here's the thing about climate change. It is this overwhelming, global, crazy pants problem, right? That like can keep you up at night worrying. But we know exactly why the climate is changing. We know what we need to do if we want that warming to be slowed down. We have the technology and the science and the understanding to explore alternative fuel sources. We know that we can live without using so many fossil fuels. We know that we can tighten up the oil and gas industry. It leaks a lot of of natural gas and methane and greenhouse gas emissions. So we as a species have all the tools that we need to control what's happening. So it's really a matter of us making choices that um, force our governments and the industries that we rely upon and who profit from all of us to really put pressure on them to make changes. But we know what we need to do. Laura Paskis, a longtime environmental reporter, journalist here in the state of New Mexico, reporting on drought, climate change, water, and her book is At the Precipice, New Mexico's Changing Climate. We've put links to all kinds of things, Laura Paskis, at childrenshour.org. Just look for this episode, Drying Out. It has been, uh, I think, a pleasure to learn all that you had to teach us. It's certainly a pleasure to be with you on the Children's Hour. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, everyone, for your great questions and your great show. I love the Children's Hour. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Laura. Lots more coming up on the Children's Hour, including the Extinction Diaries and Daniel Porter from the National Weather Service. The Children's Hour Radio Show is an independent production of the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit. The Children's Hour is supported in part by an award from New Mexico Arts, a division of the New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Support provided by the County of Bernalillo, New Mexico, burnco.gov. Support is also provided by the City of Albuquerque Cultural Services Department. Support for the Children's Hour is provided by Token IBIS, a nonprofit making philanthropy accessible to everyone. To sign up, go to tokenibis.org.
Too hot, sunny Seattle. That's Casper Baby Pants with the Beatles song Rain. You're listening to the Children's Hour. I'm Katie Stone. And I wanted to know more about the extreme temperatures that have been occurring all over the country and in Canada. We talked with Daniel Porter. He's the Science and Operations Officer at the National Weather Service Weather Forecast Office in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Daniel Porter is one of the team who helps predict what our weather will be in short term, like this week, next week. He explains how weather works. As meteorologists, we monitor weather patterns, high pressure and low pressure. For the heat, we actually here in New Mexico, in the southwestern United States, we've dealt with some record heat. And that's uh, responsible for what we call a dome of high pressure. And when we think of high pressure, that's just basically air that is sinking in the atmosphere. And basically, when you are sinking the air in the atmosphere, you're increasing the pressure. And what you're ultimately doing is heating up the air. When you get high pressure and it's really strong in nature, you don't get very much in the way of clouds. And so you get uh, during this time of year, as we just hit the solstice, the sun is beating down on the earth and we keep heating that air, particularly in the lower levels of the atmosphere where we live right down here on the ground, right? Unfortunately, with the lack of clouds and precipitation, what have you, this air continues to heat up. And then it's just like putting a lid on a boiling pot of water on the stove. Basically, you're trapping everything uh, down into the lower atmosphere. And so you're basically continuing to heat it up. Well, well, we've had a change in the weather pattern now, and what's a little bit unusual about this is is that high pressure system has now moved its way towards the northwest, and it's moved its way into the Pacific Northwest. And so this abnormally strong high pressure is now creating clear skies. It's trapped that air. We're continuing to heat it, and we're talking 115 degrees now, which is pretty abnormal across that part of the country. When that high pressure is moving its way into the Pacific Northwest, what you're basically going to be doing is what we call buckling the jet stream. We've heard that jet stream term before, and that's what brings storm systems into a particular area. So when you have that high pressure moving into the Pacific Northwest, generally when you look at a weather map, you look further to the east, you're looking at stormy systems. The jet stream buckles down a bit and that brings storm systems through there. So when in one part of the country is usually talking record heat, high pressure, dry weather, somewhere else in the country typically or somewhere else in the world could be talking stormy. But on the other side of that low pressure, you probably have another extreme moving up, you know, of high pressure over there, too. And we just watch these ebb and flow around the planet. When you get an extreme event in one part of the world, there's probably most likely going to be an extreme event going on somewhere else. It's a bit of a balance. 
buckling the jet stream, that cold air from Canada or the North Pole is diving southward and it's interacting with moisture from maybe the Gulf of Mexico and it's bringing storm systems into that area. So it's a bit of a balance. Atmospheres, uh, you know, that's what it wants to be. It, it wants to be in balance. Extinction Diaries. An all-women, all-African armed and lethal anti-poaching unit is arresting men attempting to kill endangered animals without firing a single shot. Many of the women were jobless and without skills or had seen the harsher side of life. Then luck changed when an Australian named Damien Mander, a Special Forces Iraq veteran, made a call for female recruits to become wildlife rangers. One of these units is called Akashinga, or the Brave Ones in their Shona language. Mander's intuition led him to believe that wildlife conservation would be far more effective, less corrupt, and more compassionate in the hands of women, and so far he's right. The empowerment of the women can be measured in lives saved, both animal and man. In two years, 72 major arrests have been made without firing a single shot. 
The risk cannot be made light. In the last decade, over 1,000 African wildlife rangers have died on the job. There's a saying in Africa, if you educate a man, you educate an individual. But if you educate a woman, you educate a nation. My name is Mahaya Soul, a woman, and this is a Small World Radio production.
from a brand new compilation CD called All One Tribe. That's Jabili Africa featuring Adi. And before the Extinction Diaries, you heard Summertime, done by a street musician in the subway of New York, recorded in 2006 on an iPhone. And we have time on the Children's Hour for just one more. This is from a CD called Make Believers, Secret Agent 23 Skidoo. This is Hot Sauce. Wasabi or hot sauce Cause at first The flavor's so intense And that hurts But before you know it then It's no thing It's part of your every day You're growing Let life bring whatever it may Like riding a bike At first you're scared to crash But soon your life Feeling of the wind rushing past You make friends When they were just strangers before Be patient And taste that crazy flavor some more It's your hot sauce is an independent production of the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit corporation. Our show is written by Katie Stone, with help from all of us and the kids' crew. Find lots of information about us at childrenshour.org. Many thanks to Laura Paskus for being with us on the show today, along with Daniel Porter from the National Weather Service. And thanks to the kids from the Extinction Diaries. Our podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts or at patreon.com slash the children's hour or ask your smart speaker to play the children's hour podcast we post our photos and more on instagram facebook and twitter find us at tch radio
Our theme music is written by C.K. Barlow. The Children's Hour is distributed by the Children's Hour Incorporated, PRX, and the Pacifica Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio.